Let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you for the privilege we have to again share in your word. We are looking up to you to speak to us and to give us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are, as we know, we are focusing on uh, salvation. Um, seeing it. Quit misunderstanding it. Salvation is the most important thing in our lives. And if we do not have a working knowledge of it, it will affect everything in our life. Because everything we have comes from it. It's not something a Christian should take for granted. Actually, I recommend that a Christian on his own should do a study on salvation. Because there's a lot that God, the Holy Spirit can unravel for you. It's what makes you enjoy all the blessings of God, conform to Christ, be a witness, prepare you for his coming. It's what Jesus came to do. So it shouldn't just be Pentecostal parlance, which it is to many people. It should make a difference in your day every day. Every day. There are very important topics a Christian should take time to study. This is one of them. The other thing is about prayer. If you commune with God, shouldn't you want to really do a, a, depth, a deep study about prayer so you have a correct Bible, instructed way to commune with God so you don't waste your life? Just wasting your life going to church and going home. I'm following general facts that everybody does. That doesn't really bring, bring any, any result as such. So our text is Ephesians 2.5. Even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. Verse 8. In Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not yourselves, it is the gift of God's, gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It excludes us totally. So any talk of salvation that includes what you do is not conforming to Scripture. That's not true. Not of works. Not of ourselves. It's an act of grace, or merited. From God did it from beginning to the end. We just receive it by faith. So what are we saved from? Now, when you want to preach salvation, you don't go into all the details and you try to tell somebody all these details. This, you bore them. You just take scripture and tell them what this Bible says. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Don't make it too complicated. Don't go into theology. When they come to church, they go to Sunday school. That's what to learn some of these things. So, but what we, are, what we are teaching now is for the benefit of all those who are Christians who have given their lives to Christ now. So, what were you saved from? We were saved. Look at Hebrew 4:2, first of all. Say, for unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why didn't it profit them? Not being mixed with faith within them that had it. So if we're not going to get, have a working knowledge of salvation, 
so that we can really believe it continuously because the devil will contest it. That's the point. The devil will contest it severely. Try to confuse you. And if you don't understand this, so you are grounded in it, you give it up very quickly. I'm not saying you are going to denounce Christ, but the benefits you give up so easily, just so easily. While we're at it, I want to say something. Learn as a Christian to treasure the word of God. It's in your own interest. Oh, it is in your own interest. If you treasure the word of God, learn to hold it firm. It's not just to say, oh, that someone was good. No, no. There are no guests that the Holy Spirit is sending your way. Those words are sent to heal you, to deliver you, to prosper you, to make you wise, to change your life. That word was sent for you for your own good. Learn to hold, hold firm to those treasures of heaven that God is sending to you. Treasure them in your heart. Find time, meditate on them. And let them get into your spirit. There is always a purpose that God is sending that to you. There's always a purpose. But if we, if, we, if, we're not, if we don't even understand the value, the enemy has started to defeat us right there. Because we, we, we hear it and say, oh, that was wonderful. That, God didn't give it to you to say it was wonderful. He gave it to you so that it will get into your spirit and bear fruit. So having said that, saved from what? We are saved from ourselves. You say, really? Yeah. You know, many Christians don't think like that. We are saved from ourselves. Saved from ourselves. Saved from our very sinful nature. Saved from myself, my own nature. Is that old nature that gave the devil the platform to mess my life up. The things that I do is as a result of the nature that I had. Say from myself. I can bet you that majority of Christians don't even know they are saved from themselves. They always think of Satan, think of sin. But why sin? Sin is in us. Sin doesn't exist in, 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 in limbo, in vacuum. The suppressed sin is operating from. Here is us before we were saved. We need to do a contrast and a comparison so that we can get a picture of what, why we needed to be really saved. Ephesians 2.1 says, and you, now he's talking about you and me, he made a life. Which means we are dead. Now to be dead means, spiritually dead means without God. God is life. That's why Jesus said, I came to give you life because you're dead. You don't give life to somebody who is alive. So he said he made you alive. When you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sin, in which at one time you walked habitually. Man, by habit, not, not occasionally, habitually, we all walked. He said, you were following the course and the fashion of this world, 
we were under the sway of the tendency of this present age. Following the prince of the power of the air, demonic spirits, you were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly walks in the sons of disobedience. The careless, the rebellious, the unbelieving, who go against the purpose of God. He said, this is us. But we were habitually following our flesh and being controlled by demonic spirit. Verse 3. Among these, we, all, we, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passion of our flesh. Passion of our flesh. Our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature. Obeying the impulses of the flesh. And the thoughts of the mind. Our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We haven't seen God's activity here at all. We were then by nature now, children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation, like the rest of mankind. The word of God is absolute truth. It described me. It described you. Does he look like somebody who can deliver himself? And this is how the Old Testament put it. Jeremiah 13, 23. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard, his spots? Then also can you do good who are accustomed, remember, habitually, accustomed and taught, even trained to do evil. He's saying, as the skin is natural to a human being, as the spot of a leopard is natural to a leopard, so is seen natural to a man. You can't educate him out of it. You can't legislate him out of it. He's bound by forces. He's bound by something laws cannot deliver him from. That's why you don't, you don't legislate morality. David, being a prophet, said in Psalm 51, verse 5, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, we were born with that nature. Confirmed in Ephesians 2, 3, TPT translation says, in Ephesians 2, 3, the corruption that was in us from birth, from birth, David said, I was born a sinner. King James said, in, in, in sin did my mother conceive me. I was born in iniquity. That was us. Point is, how do you, how does a leopard change his spots? It's not possible.
How did we acquire the sinful nature? In Romans 5, 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. That's how. It's not, it's not too complicated. The, Holy, the Bible says, because Adam disobeyed God, he made all of us sinners. Because we were born with his nature. We are born human. He was human. We are born human with Adamic nature. The first creation of mankind was Adam and Eve. The rest of us came out of that creation. The rest of us came out of the seed of Adam. So that creation keeps being multiplied between man, a man and wife, or a man and his wife. It's something in them that comes together, produces another, another something in them, something in them. That came, the one in Adam and Eve produced their children, the one in their children produced, the one in produced, the one in produced. So we're offspring of Adam because we came from his gene. Because one person disobeyed God, that's how many became sinners. Paul put it this way. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die. In Adam all die. Let me read it in New Living Translation. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. So it's not even behavior. It's just we came to this world sinners. So it's not a question of always oh, a good mind. Forget it. We have that Adamic seed. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For just as, because of their union of nature in Adam, all people die. Because we have that nature of Adam. We're human. We're born of human. This is how the Holy Spirit described us in Romans 3.10. No one is righteous. Not even one. No one is truly wise. Not, no one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongue are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. You know, I talked, I talked about the devil is represented as snake because he has split, he, he has split tongue. Split tongue is, it talks out of his, out of his mouth, uh, cheeks. He can't say one thing that is true. He's saying one thing, meaning another. He's a father of lies. Can't say one thing that's true. He will say double-tongued person. Now the Holy Spirit is using him again. He said snake venom. Not only the tongue, but the venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. 
It's not happening. Rush to kill children, babies, to care. No, no compassion on the, the weakest of humanity. No compassion whatsoever. No, no compunction to, to, do, to cut him and pull him out alive and throw him away. And we all started like that. All of us were like that. That somebody would take an instrument and cut that thing, and cut it, and take something and grab it and pull it up. They rushed to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. 17. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. You would tell me how much fear of God you had before you got saved. This is a summary of me and you and us. Romans 3, 23. For everyone has sinned. All fall short of God's glorious standard, everyone. You don't know anybody until you see them in their worst state. You don't know anybody. That wonderful person in your office, you have never seen them in their worst state. Isaiah 53, says, for Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us, of us all. So this is the situation of mankind. I was there. We were all the same thing. Now when God sent the Lord to Moses, the Lord couldn't deliver us. There is not, no legislation could, could make a leopard change the skin. You couldn't give a leopard, train a leopard all you want to until your eye is red. It will still remain a leopard. You know why they put dogs on the leash? It's a dog. They don't put human beings on the leash. If you like, train Jimmy for month, let him sleep on your bed, a dog. If you go out, you put that thing on the leash because a dog. There is no legislation that can change human nature. The Bible says by nature, habitually. No legislation can set a human being free from domination of a terrible, wicked spirit called Satan. None. Satan is not turning you loose because you have Ten Commandments. Jesus said, somebody greater has to go in there and deal with him. And the law is not what can deal with him. So the law failed to deliver us from ourselves, our sinful nature. It could not pay the penalty for our sins. Couldn't change anything. And the sacrifices they were making could not wash away the iniquities of mankind. Hebrews 7, 19. 
For the Lord never made anything perfect. Never. You know, there are Christians who still don't believe they need to be saved. They think I'm a good man. They think I was born into church. It's nothing like that. For the Lord never made anything perfect. Nothing. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. Hebrew 10 from verse 1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. All that system was not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Never. Verse 2. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices could have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. So when you see people who, when they go to God, they bring these feelings of guilt and always confessing sin again, sin again, sin again and again and again. They have what the Bible calls evil conscience. Their feeling of sin, guilt has not disappeared yet. Because if you confessed it when you did it, you didn't have to confess it again. It's gone. Well, if you confess it when you did it then, you don't have to confess it again. It's done. It's gone. Verse 3. But instead, those sacrifices actually remind them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See why the system of Moses just failed so woefully. Verse, verse 11. Under the old covenant... The priest stand and minister before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. Let me show you something. Look at verse 4. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Look at verse, verse, verse 1. I'm reading the sacrifices up under the system were repeated again and again, again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing. Verse 4 said they were not able to take away sin. Verse 11 came and repeated it again. Verse 11 repeated the same, the same one point. Under the old covenant, the, path, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifice again and again, which can never take away sins. Can never. So, it doesn't matter what legislation you have. It doesn't matter what religious rites and rituals anybody is doing. You can do it until you are blue in the head. It will not take away your sin. You can fast 100 days. It won't take away your sin. You can do whatever you like. It won't take away your sin. That's why Paul said, he said, I found that that system will not bring me to God. He said, I found a donk. 
so that I can depend on what Christ did because that's what gave me cleansing. That's what brought me to God. We must understand salvation. That's why I say it's not of works. It's not of works. It's not of man. There is nothing you do. Penance, you don't call, you, somebody call me and say, Pastor, oh, I have not gotten out of bed. I say, are you sick? Say, no, Pastor, oh, what I did. I say, so lying there, will come. is that lying there that will cleanse your sin? I say, so you won't come out, will you? Will you cleanse your sin? I say, please don't come out too. You can stay until your sins are washed away by your side, staying indoors. Such ignorance is mind-boggling. How we don't have confidence in Scripture. How we've been bought over by religion is astonishing. Obviously, the Scripture has lost its value here to this kind of people. They don't think it's, it's worth believing until they practice their religion or do something of them. They will not believe what Christ did. And yet we all go to church and dance. So we see here that nothing can wash away our sin. Not the sacrifice of men. Not the... Not the all the system that God put in place in the Old Testament, nothing. Zero. That's why Christ needed to come to provide us salvation. Then came Jesus, the true sinless Lamb of God, and the true high priest of our faith with his own blood made us clean, perfect, righteous, acceptable to God, no system or religion or act of man can do this. You can see why salvation is not a works, but by grace only. Now the devil will waylay you here. He will he, Satan the will. He will waylay you here and try to belittle the sacred sacrifice of the Son of God. When Jesus was here, the devil did his best to mock him. Did his best to mock him. Say, uh, say you are the son of God. I come down from there. Come down, let's see. You call yourself the king of Jews. I come, let us prove it here. He mocked him. But that's his method. If he, if he mocks, if he mocked Christ when he was alive, he could mock him anything. He mocks the cross like nothing else. And we, it's, it's, it's easy to listen and fall for it because it will bring you into reasoning and say, this thing. Ah. Think it's just like that. Forgive you. That's why, we, let me tell us the truth. Mostly, the reason many people can walk in faith is because they are not grounded in this truth. Why do you think the devil will accuse the believer? He wants to take away their faith in this. That's why he will accuse them day and night. Because he sees it's an effective way to derail their faith. Because once you're not confident in the power of the blood to take away your sins, you're not confident in the, in, in the benefit of the sacrifice, you will never be confident in any other thing. Never. 
and you can't even stand before the devil of boldness. He has already, he has already intimidated, intimidated, intimidated you. He has already talked you out of your faith. So what are you talking about? On what basis are you going to stand on boldness? Didn't the Bible say because we have a high priest, we cannot be bold? This right thing is people should study, meditate on these things until, until it gets into their spirit and it's firmly rooted there. Firmly rooted there. Hebrews 10, 8. First Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices. You see, Jesus is saying, God, you didn't want all these things. Or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Or other offerings. There is no other offering for sin. I, I used to, if I did something I felt was sinful, I used to go and fast. Because I felt that if I fasted, that would assuage my conscience and make me feel a hand. <laughs> yeah. Now, God will hear me. Well, that's why God will hear you. Because God has no pleasure in other offerings for sin. He has no pleasure in them. Nor were you pleased with them. God says, I don't have any pleasure in any sacrifice anybody's offering for sin. I'm not interested in it. I know that's why people, some people can't pray without fasting because they think when they fast, they pay penance for their sin. They say, if I punish myself, then I'll be acceptable to God. Then he will not be because this thing is not a works. So no man can boast because he's brought something to boast about and his boast is not in the Lord. The Bible says if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. Verse, verse 9. Then he said, look, I've come to do your will. And I want everybody to listen to this. He cancels the first covenant. It's canceled. Why? He couldn't take away sin. All that sacrifice and all the system of Moses and all the law could not bring man to God. Could not take away his, could not make him perfect. So God canceled it. So let me bring something better that does what I want. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. This is God's plan. This is the plan of salvation. God's plan is to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So when Christ came, God shut down the old one that was useless that couldn't achieve his purpose to make man holy. He shut it down. You know, that's why the Bible says if you're under the spirit, you're not under the law. You can't be under this Old Testament thing that they been shut down. Then you want to be under the Holy Spirit who is here to reveal Christ? It can't work. It just cannot work. So you can see why the scripture says that when Jesus came, the law was shut down as a means of righteousness because it couldn't make man righteous. When Jesus came, 
the law was shut down. Because a new means of righteousness has come. What is that new means of righteousness? For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So in Romans 10, 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ brought the law to a screeching halt. Remember that we read that God canceled that old system. With all the laws, all of it canceled. So Christ, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believe it. Can you put it in TPT for me? If you can, Romans 10, 4. If you have it in TPT. Romans 10, 4 in TPT. Okay. For Christ is the end of the law. That's how I put it, full stop. Christ is the end of the law. Why? Jesus, when he came, said, all that sacrifices and all that system, you were never interested in them. He said, I now came to do your will. What is his will? For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. Romans 5.19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Let's continue to read in Hebrews chapter 10 from verse uh, 11. We read 11. I want to continue from 11 so that it's a continuity in our reading. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never make any take away sin 12. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. 14. For by that one offering, that one offering, he forever made perfect. The law made nothing perfect. Christ made us perfect. Those who are being made holy, perfect. Made us perfect. We are being made holy because we are growing in this knowledge. The more we grow in it, the more our life is being transformed. We are growing in it. Made us perfect. Look at what Isaiah says. Isaiah 53 verse 11. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous because of his death. God's plan is to make us righteous through Christ. God's plan is to make us holy through Christ. God's plan is to make us perfect through Christ. That's God's plan. That's plan of salvation. He said he makes it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. Through his blood, Hebrew 9, 12, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all times and secured our redemption forever. What is redemption? 
Redemption is, is salvation, really. Redemption is to be saved from something, to be delivered from something. Redemption also means to pay a ransom to redeem something that somebody had. And the Bible says, with his own blood, he secured our redemption forever. With his own blood, he made us holy. With his own blood, he secured our, our salvation forever. This is the plan of God. That through the blood of Jesus, will be made holy and that will be redeemed. He will pay penalty. He will pay a ransom to set us free from everything that holds us free. Hold us bondage. With his own blood. With his own blood. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity, ceremonial. But for things, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. Perfect. So, forgiveness is now available because of this blood. Ephesians 1 7. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. Remember, with his blood, he went and obtained our redemption. Redemption is to be saved from something, is to pay for something to be released. So he said, he purchased, he is so kind, he's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Verse 9, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. And the Bible said the church should go and preach this message of forgiveness of sins to everybody. Salvation, you should know it, experience it, so you preach it correctly. What we preach is sin. There's no way I say to preach sin. Who invented it for us? Look at what we should preach. Acts 13, 38. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. That's what they were preaching. The plan of salvation is that through his blood, your sins are forgiven. 39. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone, church. Everyone who believes in him is declared right with God. Something the law of Moses could never do. Could never do. Then he wonders because there are people who will not accept this. There are people who will not. The Holy Spirit wonders. Be careful, don't let the prophet's word apply to you. For they said, look, you mockers. There are people who will mock it 
I said, I'm about to have it. I said it on Sunday, that the things of God look foolish to those who have carnal mind. Verse 41. Look, you mockers, be amazed now and die. For I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe them if someone told you about it. God predicted there are people who, who will not believe this thing. Say, just don't be one of them. Number two, this forgiveness of sin that made us acceptable to God also gave us this privilege of being circumcised of our spirit. If our sins was not forgiven, God would not walk in us. We'll be condemned. We'll have nothing to do with him. Because God's of a purer eye to behold iniquity. It's because our sins are forgiven that God will have now the privilege opportunity to now come and walk in you and walk in me. So we now have the privilege of circumcision of the spirit, the change of nature from sinful nature to righteous nature that we talked about. Now the leopard has changed his skin. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The leopard has finally changed his spot. Finally changed his spot. Finally, we are delivered from us, from our own nature. Our sins are forgiven, declared acceptable to God, so God moves in. Somebody shout hallelujah. So God moves in. The heavenly power moved in and did what no man can do. He took the leopard and changed his nature and made him a sheep. He took the leopard, changed him so much, and the next time we saw the leopard, it was a sheep. And not just any sheep. It was the sheep of the shepherd. He changed his nature radically. If he wasn't changed to be a sheep, no matter how ten commandments you give him, he will not be a sheep. He'll still be acting as a leopard. And you need a leash. But now it's a sheep. You don't need a leash. <laughs> Wherever the shepherd goes, he naturally goes. Colossians 2.11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature is gone. If this wasn't cut away, you will be a sinner and you are going to heaven. Second Corinthians 5.17, we know now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. The old nature is gone. We've been delivered from ourselves. Delivered from that old sinful nature. Brethren, the leopard had changed their skin and become a sheep. Only God can do this. The Bible says angels are looking at this and they're puzzled. I'm, what? Oh, I pray you come on Sunday. We'll have awesome things to share. 
I'm telling you. After Sunday, you, you, you'll be flying by the grace of God. I trust the Lord for that. I can't have my own do that, but Jesus will do that. You are a new person. The plan of salvation. Your sins are forgiven. God makes you a new person. Changes you from leopard to sheep. Straight away. If any man is a, is a, is a new person, an entirely new person, all that is related to the old order has vanished, gone away. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Oh, scripture says, who has believed our report? So he will see the arm of the Lord at work. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. Wow! Man, this is amazing. This is amazing. Christians should be very excited people. For we are God's masterpiece. No, I'm not talking of a human artist. I'm not talking of human artistry. I'm talking of divine masterpiece. Think of yourself as a divine masterpiece. That God came into you and produced the best that can be. God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. They're talking about this new person. <clears throat> this new person. He said, now this person can do the things he planned for us. Before he was, he had that nature. <clears throat> he was doing what the devil planned for him. What the flesh planned for him. And God said, with that nature, he can do what I planned for him. So God came and took him and made him a sheep. And now he can do what God planned for him. He can follow the shepherd. Without this new nature, you can't do what God planned for you. You'll be doing what your flesh wanted, what the world wants, what the devil, devils want. But now, the Bible says we are now slaves of righteousness by nature. By nature. By nature. First John 3, 9. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. The leopard has become a what? A sheep. So he doesn't go chase him to kill animals. <laughs> the most docile animal is a sheep. It has nothing to defend itself. Not. The leopard has become a sheep. So he has a new nature, he's a new creature, he's a new personality, totally different. He says, the Bible says, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life, God's life is in them. Brethren, this is one of the most mysterious revelations of the ages. I'm telling you. God's life is in me. What? True. So they can't keep on sinning. Why? They have a new nature. God's life. God's life. God's nature. God's life. God's Oh, I wish every day you wake up and say, Lord, thank you. God's life is in me. God's life is in me. The leopard has become a sheep. I don't, I don't pursue, I don't fight, I, don't, I have no fangs, I don't tear people, I don't, I don't, no more, no, no, I don't do stuff like that. 
have a new nature, a docile nature. They say Jesus was taken like a sheep to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. That's the nature we've gotten. And I'm sorry, if the Lord will teach me, help me. I'm going to show you that you don't have to change your personality. That's not God's plan. This one we're talking doesn't mean you change your personality. No, no. God will use your personality to fulfill his purpose. If God leads me that way, I will explain it on Sunday because this is where people struggle, enter into this struggle, and lose everything. What it changes your spirit that controls your personality. Your spirit controls that personality. Don't forget, God created you with that personality. Your spirit controls that personality. Your spirit, the new man, is in charge now. The dominant factor, the alpha factor, is Christ in you. Verse 10, 1 John 3, 10. says, so now, we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anybody who is a leopard is not changed. He's not a child of God. He has to be a sheep. So we can tell. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. But this is a plain as simple. It's simple. It's just simple. If you are still acting like a leopard, you haven't changed your, your, your nature has not changed. See, that's why people talk of sin, because they don't understand that if your nature is changed, you are done with sin. You can't go to a sheep and be teaching him not to, uh, sheep, uh, don't, don't, don't carry a, a, a chicken, you know, <laughs> sheep, don't carry him, don't carry some, uh, all, you see all those small goods, please don't, you don't have to tell him that, <laughs> because he won't by nature, if not do stuff like that. The Bible says, Anyone who does not live righteously and does not have love other believers does not belong to God. I didn't write it. A sheep is known by the way it looks and what it does. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall what? Good. Shall know them. I met one woman recently, and I've said this over. You're not going to tell me anything. This, I don't know her, but I didn't need anybody to tell me she was a Christian. Her, oh my God. Her, she personalized. She, she was radiating with the presence of the Lord. She wasn't trying to impress anybody. She was just herself. That's what I'm talking about, personality. She was just herself. But oozing out of her, was the life of Christ. She didn't have to tell me, I'm born again. I didn't, I didn't have to ask. They looked at her face. She had this glow. Number three. Oh, sorry. I jumped something. I 
I, I talked about that. That's being born again. John 3 says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. That's what, it's still talking about being born again. It's still talking about the new person. It's still talking about the new human, the new creature that created a spirit being. It's a spirit being. Jesus said you must be born again. You must have this new nature. If you don't, you are not going to heaven. It's all part of the salvation plan. To forgive your sins with the blood of Jesus and to make you a new, a new person. To create out of the leopard a sheep that hears the voice of the shepherd. So that once, because the, the, the leopard wound, so now he made me a sheep, he said, can I do what I want? Because if he, he hears my voice. The scripture says, if that person is not acting righteously and does not love the bread, it's because the nature has its change. It's, 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 not, it, it doesn't, it's not in this thing. Do you know that even baby, babies act like human beings? They have basic character of human that they now develop. That's why the Bible says we are being made holy. They are basic. You don't see a baby who doesn't behave like a You don't see a baby barking like a dog. They have that nature of human. We know there are baby Christians who have that nature of human. It's there. Basically, it's there. They see them developing, developing, developing it, developing it. The Bible says we are being made holy. They keep developing it, keep developing it. But the basic human nature is right there. Right there. If it's not there, you want to talk to the doctors and say, what, who is this? Number three. We talked about cleansing of our, of our sins, making us clean. And then we talked about the new personality we have. Now let me talk about the delivery from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of Jesus. And from all destructions, all of it, by the same blood of Jesus Christ, who was set free from the power of Satan. Remember, the Bible says we were under the control of the power of the devil. Our sins, penalties have been cleaned off our sins are washed away. We have been made new creatures. Now the devil is taken care of. That spirit, no, it's no more our master. We'll be delivered from his power, from his kingdom. Colossians 1.13. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. He had delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, this, this statement alone can go in different directions. Anything that is the activity of Satan, anything that the devil does, doesn't have power over it. You know, the devil causes sickness. It costs her all manner of stuff. It doesn't have power over it. You say, why, pastor? The Bible says, the word of God says, you have been delivered from the power of darkness. All of it, not some. No matter what demons do, you've been delivered from 
their power. Power. I still remember one dream I had. I don't bother about things. So I had this dream. Two of them, two, you know, demonic spirit, they came while I was lying there. I just went to somewhere to have my own time of retreat. And then the same bed that they stood, I said, want to talk to you. I said, how do you know I'm here? <laughs> how do you know I'm here? I said, I'll go outside. Let me talk to you. So we went outside, and I realized they were really, because they came standing like human beings. I realized they were demonic spirits. And I got angry. Man, I got angry. And I billowed at them. They took off. I said, you're a bunch of cowards. You're hiding. I said, you're a coward. You're hiding. I said, you're hiding. You're a coward. Man, I, I went after them to the nail. I'm telling you, that's the kind of spirit a Christian should have. It's, it's not a victim spirit, a victim mentality stuff. You should be acting like the, the conqueror you are. You should be acting like the, the person in whom Christ lives. You should be acting with authority and power and boldness. Man, I went after them. I was, oh, I, I, I wish that can be played. I, I, I went after them. They, 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 they ran. I said, you're cowards, you're hiding. I said, if you know you're not a coward, show up here. If you know you're not a coward, I say, I die, you show up here. Man, I got up from that dream. I felt like dancing. Man, I felt like giving myself a, a, a plate of stew and good rice. Man, I, I felt like saying, man, that was awesome. That was good. I, I want to shake my hand and say, boy, that was awesome, man. Defeated spirit. Defeated. That's what people have time to talk about. Defeated. Under my feet. Every, I'm, I'm sending for their own benefit. Let them hear me too. Look, we have been delivered from the power of darkness. All of it. You don't have to accept them. Accept what they're doing. You just don't have to. The Bible says you can resist the devil. There's nothing like, there's nothing like the devil imposing himself on you. If you can't resist it, then God told us a lie. But God never lies. He said you can resist the devil. Which means if you, if you can resist him, it means you are more powerful than he is. You can't resist a trailer. You kill you. But somebody say you can resist a trailer, it means you are more powerful than a trailer. Delivered from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's where we are. You know, we tell people to make heaven. No, I just understand all that Nigerian parlance and things. It's good, but we're already in the kingdom. All this make heaven gives the impression that I'm outside or I'm trying to make heaven. No, I'm already in the kingdom. I know what it means. I know what they're saying is remain in the kingdom. Don't get out of it. That's what it means. And it is wonderful. It is affirmative. It is encouraging. But let us understand it in the proper perspective in which we are saying it. Is to say, man, you are in the kingdom. Make sure you don't fall out of it. Luke 168. Blessed, praised, extolled, and thanked be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he had come and brought deliverance and redemption to his people. He has brought deliverance and redemption to his people. 
He has brought deliverance. Redemption to his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation. A mighty, valiant helper, the author of salvation. For us in the house of David, his servant. This is, this as he promised by the mouth of his holy prophet from the most, for, from the most ancient times in the memory of men that we should have deliverance. God said, I'm going to send the deliverer. Jesus came to have deliverance and be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who detest us or hate us and pursue us with hatred from their hands. All. All. Isaiah, I, I, I think Isaiah um, 41. If you go down verse 11, 12, he says, all these people that incensed against you, he said they should be, should, should be, they should be all uh, ashamed, confounded, and they should be as nothing. He said, those that uh, strive against you, he said, they will, they will perish. He said, look for them, we'll find them. He said, all, those that, all, all of them that are, that, are, that, are, that are contending with you and warring with you, he said, there shall be nothing. There shall be as nothing. Jesus fulfilled that. It shall be as nothing. Jesus, he defeated them mercilessly. Mercilessly. It wasn't even a contest. What contest? Verse 71. That we should have deliverance and be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who detest and pursue us with hatred. 72. To make sure and show the mercy and compassion and kindness promised to our forefathers and to remember and carry out his holy covenant to bless which is all the more sacred because it is yeah to, because it is made by God himself 73 that covenant he sealed by oath to our forefather Abraham 74 to grant us that we including me and you being delivered. How many times will God say, I've delivered you? How many will he say it until we believe it? Being delivered from the hand of all our foes. My now serve him fearlessly. 75. In holiness. Trans- translation say without fear. Fearlessly is without fear now. That's why when I saw him, I got, I got angry. I, I, I said, who gave you authority? Who are you? We serve him fearlessly. Fearlessly. Oh, Fearlessly is fearlessly. In holiness, divine consecration, and righteousness in accordance with the everlasting principles of, of right within his presence all the days of our life. Fearlessly. We'll be made, we'll be made holy. We've been given new creatures. We're now sheep. So we follow him. And David said, even if I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear. No evil, because you are with me. You are with me. Colossians 2.30. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut off. Then God made you alive 
with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. <laughs> he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities because he took away our sin. They don't have anything to stand on. No platform again. No platform again. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way now, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them. By taking away our sin, he made them up, disarmed them. That's why we plead the blood of Jesus. You stand up, it's like court. You know, you go to court, they say, guilty or not guilty? You say, I'm not guilty. You know what they say? They say, how do you plead? How do you want to plead? That's why the judge will ask you. You say, I plead not guilty. So you stand and say to the devil, I plead the blood, not guilty. I plead the blood, not guilty. The blood, by this blood, you have been disarmed. You don't have platform in them, my body. And how did I even come here? I plead the blood, not guilty. So where do you find a platform? Not guilty. Christians must understand how to, the Bible says we should be skillful in the use of the word. Not guilty. He canceled, let me read it, Colossians 2.30. Colossians 2.30. You were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers, the authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moons. All these rituals did not take away your sin. That's what he's saying. <laughs> you don't need it. Verse 17. For these rules are only shadows of reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. What matters is this is Christ. 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. You will sleep. Pious self-denial. <laughs> or the worship of angels, saying they had visions about distance. Their sinful minds have made them proud. They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with each joints and ligament, and it grows as God nourishes it. You see, he said, what matters is Christ. They said, don't forget about, forget about all these rituals. All this punishing yourself, what you won't sleep 1 a.m., get up at 3 a.m. I don't junk. It's all junk. Junk, junk, junk. Garbage. He said, it is Christ is the one that nourishes you with real knowledge. That you should the truth. In verse 19. He says, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds, he holds. Am I destroyed? Okay, I'm back. Praise the Lord. 19. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments, and he grows as God 
nourishes it. 20. You have died with Christ and, has, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you need any rituals? Why do you keep on following the rules of this world? Why do you need these rituals? You don't need them. He has set you free. He has set you free. He's the reality. It's all that matters. Every other thing you are doing is junk. His blood disarmed them. He has set us free. You should walk in the reality of what Christ has provided you. The word God says to you, cherish it. Hold firm to it. Like the scriptures say, hold firm to eternal life. Hold firm to the truth God gave you. Meditate on it until it downs into your spirit and begins to rule your mind like, like, the, like that dream I had. I didn't have to think. Because it has to become life in you. It has to become your, your life, the natural way you behave, the natural way you do things. You don't need to hear another sermon to start doing that. You don't have to. It's something that naturally, you act like it's in nature on you. It has, that world has to become life in you. That's when it begins to bear fruit. But when things happen, you, you cry and start calling my number. Of course, I'll, I'll block you out. Start calling my number. Why are you calling me for? Why should you come? Praise the Lord. If you want to call me, call me and tell me what you did, how God helped you, and how you messed them up. Let me hear your testimony. Then we rejoice and thank God together. If you call me to do something, I will tell you I'm, I'm fasting. When we are done, we can talk about it. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you and give you praise and glory for the word you sent to us. Lord, isn't it amazing that we have all these marvelous investments in us and we walk like weakness. <laughs> and we talk about things we shouldn't be talking about. When your praise is what should continually be in our mouth. Your praise. Because the great salvation you gave us, amazing, that had lifted us from shame to glory. That made us victors. We're no more victims. Sin is not dominating us. You don't have dominion over us. People have been set free. Completely free indeed. The freest people in this world. But you know, you told the king of Israel. He said, to him, he said, except you believe me, I can make you stand. That's what you told the king of Judah. He said, except you believe me, I cannot keep you, can make you stand. And except we believe these things, they profit us not. Profit us not. We go about talking, talking stories. Just talking stories. Instead of his praise shall continually be in our mouth as we enjoy the glory of Christ, as we enjoy the power of Christ, as we enjoy the beauty of liberty. You said you did this so our joy 
shall be full. There shall be no bewilderment in the life of a Christian. For we have your spirit to guide us, teach us, show us things to come. We can't be bewildered. Because the, the secrets of the kingdom belongs to us. We have a right to know them. We have a right to know things about us to come. We don't beg for it. It's our privilege to know it. Lord, it's our privilege. When we're not knowing, that's when we should go and say, Lord, I'm not living in my full privileges. Where, where am I missing this thing? Because your, your praise will continually be in my mouth. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray.